We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 20 of the Moose and Runes podcast. First and foremost, we thank you for tuning in. For the last 20 episodes, 10, however many you've listened to, we appreciate it, and we want to keep bringing some quality Chicago sports content to you. Today, we have plenty to talk about. I'm joined now by the one and only Matt Rooney, also known as Garfield, also known as the Great White Hype. Matt, how we doing? Who has ever called me the Great White Hype, Joe? I just did for the first time, but I like it. It's got, it's got a good ring to it. You know, in, it, it's been a week or a weekend or a Sunday filled with bad communications that, you know, cost yes. people games and such. So maybe we should communicate a little bit better about what we're going to do here with nicknames instead of wasting, like, See, you know, I called a good that minute. one. I called that one in from the sideline. That was all hand signals. Well, I missed the call, that? Joe. I missed the you call. Get... you got to make the right call in the huddle. See, this is where the breakdown happens, yeah, where we got to be podcasting. we got to be podcasting in the same room so we can work hand signals. Yeah, because I, I, can't, I can't see your hand signals through my, I think... through my headphones. I think we for the for once we get to episode fifty, Matt, we got to get in the same room, start throwing hand signals. Around. Yeah, maybe maybe by then we'll have the uh, we'll have the sponsorships for a studio. Maybe huh? <laughs> you got to you got to shoot for the stars, right? Yeah. Hey, Let's if, if, hey, off, if you Matt. shoot for the stars, Joe, you might just reach the moon. Okay, well. We're, we're done with the cliches. Um, let's kick it off with a little Bears football talk, Matt. Uh, plenty to talk about, plenty to sink our teeth into for the, for, from this week one matchup with the defending NFC champion Atlanta Falcons. Um, just on the surface, if I'm going to make a general statement about the Bears, it's that they were surprisingly entertaining to watch. And I was, while in the moment, I was definitely heartbroken by that loss and their inability to get it in there at the end like it was a tough gut-wrenching bears moment i didn't expect to even be in that situation where the game was on the line i expected it to be 21 nothing 10 minutes in and be embarrassed and want to turn off the tv so what i saw i was encouraged by i too was encouraged now i never expected it to be that bad uh, and i think you know that i thought i didn't think the bears were going to cover that you know setting it was what seven points or whatever it was but mm-hmm. I, I thought it would be a close kind of game and then atlanta maybe score a couple you know late back breaking touchdowns or whatever to kill it and they, they did but then the bears kind of seemed to not give up not quit and they fought back and almost brought themselves back into it which was an encouraging sign there were a couple times during that fourth quarter where they could have said you know well played a pretty pretty good game but you know they're they're just a little bit better they're pulling away but they really didn't lay down there till the till the absolute end. They gave it four tries in the end zone and just unfortunately couldn't get one in. But I was I, I was pretty bummed after that one, Joe. That was that that seemed like the Tennessee game all over again from last year with those couple drops in the end zone and, and not being able to convert. Now I was bummed too, but it didn't stick with me, and I think that's because of where my expectations are for this team right now. And having lost Kevin White now, not to say he was a huge cog to the success of this Bears machine. We'll get to it a little bit more down, down the road here in the podcast, but there are no targets. There's no reason to have any offensive expectation from this football team. The defense looked phenomenal. The front seven looked great. They were winning the point of attack. Linebackers were coming up and cleaning it up. You didn't see safeties making the majority of the tackles like we have in past seasons. But on the offensive side of the ball, you can't expect that same sort of success. The run game looked good. Tariq Cohen surprised me. Jordan Howard looked good, aside from that drop at the goal line. The pieces looked good, 
but there is no passing attack. And I think because of that and their imbalance, you have to still be realistic about your expectation with this team, and it will help you cope with those gut-wrenching losses is what I've learned. I agree. I think we saw last week that they're they're good enough to compete, but they don't really have the playmakers to win consistently, which is mm-hmm. a little bit unfortunate. But again, that's that's what they were hoping Kevin White was. Obviously, it looks like he's not that. Um, but I, they still have a decent enough passing game with, I think, with Tariq Cohen coming out of the backfield. Zach Miller's still a very good tight end. Grant's got to stay healthy, which he's never really been able to do. Deion Sims actually surprised me having a nice little game, too, as a tight end there. And then they got Marcus Wheaton coming back, who can hopefully stretch the field. I'm grasping at straws a little bit here. But I, I do think their passing attack is good enough to at least keep them competitive. I don't. Um, I'm, I'm, not but, saying, I'm not saying competitive in NFC North standings or all that. I'm t- talking about competitive, like competing with games. the Falcons and probably falling game. late. But I, they, I, And who knows, they'll, they'll probably end up stealing a couple of those, too. Yeah. But I, I get what you're saying. Next week against Tampa, I just I think it looks like they are going to play that on time too. I know that was mm-hmm. uh, debated whether or not they're going to have to push that off, but that that's going to be a tough one for them because I'm not really sure what to expect from Tampa's defense this year. But that offense is so explosive that no matter yeah. how good this Bears defense is, I think they're going to throw up points. And I think it's going to be hard to compete with them. I think so too, and it's going to be a, a, a tropical setting in September. It's never easy for the road team. It just it just isn't. You got that balmy, heavy air, and I know they deal with some similar stuff in Chicago in terms of humidity and things like that, but it's completely different when you yeah. get down there in Tampa and Miami. Early on in the season, road teams really do tend to struggle. So I think, again, temper our expectations for this upcoming week. Matt, uh, let, let's just get it out of the way here. We've, we've already touched on him twice. Kevin White, do you release him? Is this, is this, a, is this a lost cause? Because he's played games in what's going to be a total of three seasons. And I just don't think you can, from an accounting standpoint, justify keeping him on the books. You know, I it, it, it kind of depends for me because I don't think they've officially confirmed that he needs surgery. Um, and I, I would say if they if he doesn't and then that you can get him back by week eight, maybe you still have a chance to get a look at him, but still you don't know if he can stay healthy. I'm just, I'm grasping it. I, I want him to be. So did I, and we out. talked about this in the last but couple I, podcasts. I, I just, I, if he, if he goes on, if he goes on IR and it's season ending, yeah, I think you just, it's, it's a Lamar Houston type thing. You just got to say, you know, this, this isn't working out, you know, hopefully see, find success somewhere else. I, I don't think IR makes a bit of difference in this situation because if he's not on the operating table, in a month, he's going to be on the operating table in six months or eight months. This is an injury-prone individual. He was an injury-prone individual at West Virginia, and we took him on confidence. So this isn't uh, the exception to the rule. It's the rule at this point. Kevin White is injury-prone, and I think that uh, as you know, as frivolous as we talk about it, this is a man's career. This is a man's livelihood, but um, this is a business that the Bears are running, and I think they need to... Uh, make a business decision and kind of cut ties with uh, a, a severely depreciated asset. You like, do you like all those? I, 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 I just used? I'm, you, you uh, go to business minor, school, Joe? Minor in bu- business admin. Oh, there you go. You know, I don't like to, I don't oh, like to go. boast. I had a major. I, feel like. <laughs> I majored in business admin. I still don't throw those words around, but uh, no, I'm with you. It, it, one thing throughout Ryan Pace's tenure here is he really hasn't had problems cutting that ties with people a little that bit, maybe true. even earlier than some people thought. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go your way. Um, if, if they can get him back by week eight or nine, I think they will keep on to him just because I don't see the harm in trying to see if you can catch a mm-hmm. little fire with him. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I think if it's 
anything more than, you know, or less than, you know, 10 weeks or whatever, or more than 10 weeks, I think he's, yeah. he's gone. Well, Matt, let's focus on kind of the on-field product and what we did see. What were your thoughts on Mike Lennon? I got his line in front of us here. Uh, 20, oh, I got it memorized by heart, 42, 13, a touchdown, uh, quarterback rating of 86.8. Uh, didn't, didn't, Joe, the, the amount of times I've typed that into a true, graphic, you probably got it. I have, I've, I've had that memorized so, by heart. Uh, didn't wow, but didn't um, disappoint. We, we, it wasn't a, a in, no. the zero interceptions is what really encouraged me that maybe this is a guy that can hold water for a season. That's why I, I actually, when I was making these graphics this week, you know, there were certain ones where they wanted, you know, Glennon, you know, numbers and all that stuff. I almost made sure to put zero turnovers at the end of every stat line because I thought that was a very significant thing to note from him. We're so used to Bears quarterbacks yeah. turning the ball over, not taking care of the ball. I love Jay, but he was awful at taking care of the ball. Um, and, and, and that's what, if you're not the most talented quarterback in the world, that's what you need to do to give your ch- team a chance to win. That's what he did. He managed the game well. He protected the football. And at the end, the Bears had a chance to win. They didn't lose because of him. He put two footballs in perfectly placed spots that should have been caught. Do you think, touchdown. I was going to say, do you Howard think the Howard one would have been a touchdown? I thought that would have been a stalemate at the goal line. I, and he was, know, it it might have been a stalemate at the goal line, but, you know, Third is much better. Yeah, you one got, foot yeah. line is much better than third no, goal from the six. And Josh Bellamy, I, it would have been a nice catch, but it's, it's, I, I almost uh, you, you, you have to catch the football in there. I, I know exactly what you saw in that situation. Every receiver knows what it feels like to get your head around on a ball late, and he was held there just enough for it not to be called. But his head got around late, and I, I don't think I think by the time his brain reacted to the ball, his hands weren't where they needed to be, and. You know, that's just breaking it down and getting nitpicky, but I almost hate to put it on him there because he got help. Both of those balls need to be caught. You know, you can't make excuses for guys, but I do understand both situations there. It was very unfortunate. But with Mike Glennon and what he showed us, his ability to, let's call it, manage the game and kind of lean on the run and um, understand where the strong suits and where the openings are, that's what I was encouraged with. What I wasn't encouraged with is he very well could be the least mobile quarterback in the NFL. And that's not an overreaction. <laughs> yeah. When he, he attempts move. to move, his feet, he does like a little like Wiley Coyote, like spins his feet in the same place for a couple seconds and then tries to move. It's, it's so terrible that this offensive line is going to have to be as good and better than they were on Sunday because any breakdown of, of protection – his only ability is to step up in the pocket. He can't go left, he can't go right, and he can't peel out. He's just, you got to let things break down around him rather than at him. I agree, and that's where they might be hurt a little bit with a guy like Bobby yeah. Massey on the uh, on the right side of the line there. I know it's not his blind side, but still, he's just a little bit slow in that pass protection. Speed rushers are going to give him uh, quite a bit of trouble. But you know, I, he's not mobile, but... People I saw on Twitter were calling for no. Trubisky and all that, saying, like, well, you know, if he's in the game, that, you know, if, if Mitch Trubisky's in the game, he doesn't get sacked on that fourth and goal or, you know, such and such. Yeah, if Mitch Trubisky starts the game, I, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback down the road. He, there, there's no way he finishes that first NF, NFL start against the defending NFC championship, champions yeah. without a turnover. That, 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 that's, I think, the difference for me is people kept calling for him to, there's you know, gonna be- he was going to. He won't get sacked like that. He's mobile. He can move and create with his feet, which is true. 
but he, yeah. Mike Glennon played a perfect game for what the Bears wanted. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky isn't in that situation in the fourth quarter, I don't think. Uh, no, and I don't think so either. There That's are not a going to be boneheaded Bears fans calling for Trubisky at every juncture, at every incomplete pass, at every interception, at every fumble, and it's going to be tough to deal with it. Hopefully we can... Uh, you know, inspire a little bit of sense into people, at least the people that listen to this podcast. Um, but I just don't think that for the time being, Mitch Trubisky is a name that should even be, you know, in, in the Bears lexicon right now. We need to just focus on Mike Lennon and what he can do for this football team, at least for eight weeks, please, for eight weeks. Yeah, I agree. And he was – it. He, like we've said a couple of times now, he was good enough for them to win. There, there shouldn't be this yeah. complaining about the quarterback. That was far from the biggest issue with the Bears yesterday or yeah. Sunday, not yesterday anymore. Like that that was not at all the reason they lost. Sure, he's slow in the pocket, and that's probably what you know didn't help him not get sacked on fourth and goal. But they, he got sacked on fourth and goal because Bobby Massey got turned around off the snap and was just too slow yeah. to make up for it. Um, it was, um, uh, but again. It was an encouraging Sunday from the couch, from the armchair, however you watched it. I felt like the Bears took a step forward, even though it was a loss. I'm not expecting a NFC North championship. I'm not expecting a Super Bowl. Again, temper expectations, and I think you'll be able to enjoy what this team does this season if it's anything similar to what they did on Sunday. Joe, after the Wildcat touchdown run, I texted you the Super Bowl Why? shuffle, I believe. And I, I, I understand that. that. I, I hated it, but why are we why are we running a read play with our quarterback as the lead block, as the outside, as as the edge? Hey, he, he made did. the block. He got his he? long. He got his giraffe block, neck in the way for long enough to get. Um, who ended up scoring there? Howard or no? Howard handed it to Howard. Cohen no, handed, Cohen it, to handed Howard. it to That's Howard. what it was. Okay. Um, yeah, he he occupied on the outside. Honestly, if they try that again, don't be surprised if a defensive back puts his chin under Mike Glennon's because you're a wide receiver at that point. I don't know how that DB is not running through Mike Glennon. That was, uh, that was lax on whichever defensive back that was for the Falcons to not use that as an opportunity now, to blow up the opposing quarterback. Not to totally change the subject here, but I'm going to switch it back to that fourth, that uh, first and goal in the uh-huh. fourth quarter or whatever. Do you have any problems with the way the plays were called. The personnel was handled. Anything the Bears loved, did there? Because I, I, think I love the play calling. Issues. What I'd like to see a run in there, maybe just to even it out. But six yard line's hard. Six yard line, a six. It, it, that, that's right. Your, in the middle. Your average, they, they, they your average the run in the NFL, yeah. like solid run, is going to go three and a half yards. So run play. So if you want to position yeah. yourself, all you're really doing, if you're running the ball on first or second down, is you're squeezing the field. You're getting closer to the end line and making it hard to pass when you know you're going to have to pass. So pass the ball. I get that. But with the production that we saw out of Tariq Cohen the entire game, the fact mm-hmm. that he was on the field so sparingly throughout the entire last drive poses some question marks there. Was was off the field for three of the, the four. Three of the four plays, personal. and I think and I think three he was only on a few for that field. entire drive. So I, that I do have a mm-hmm. question on. If he was dinged up, if he was tired, if he was this, he was that, come out and tell us that. Because we saw a budding star in Tariq Cohen. If Tariq Cohen can avoid contact because, man, he got laid out a couple times. And I know he also did a great he job did. avoiding He avoided some big, some hits, big hits, and I think you got to work him outside the hashes. They ran a little jailbreak screen across the middle that almost put him in a gurney. Luckily, it was a, that it was a clean hit, and everyone popped up. He popped up off of every hit, but 
that attrition is going to add up on yeah, a five up. foot six, hundred and sixty-five pound running back in the NFL. He looked like a child. They were trying to get like cutaway shots of him after runs, and it was always just like a crowd of people, and then he'd pop out of them because he's so tiny. That made him dangerous, though. Guys didn't know where to hit him. You saw someone try and go up top on him and missed. You saw guys try and go low on him, and his legs are so stout that he can lift a leg and you miss him. He's going to be a weapon if they use him properly and if they can keep him healthy. I was really... I took my shoe off and was ready to put it in my mouth after complaining about the drafting of Tariq Cohen. I really liked what I saw on Sunday. Yeah, the the other the I was going to talk about that, but you pretty much covered all of that, and I, I agree with just about everything you said with him. The only other thing that I had a complaint about with that first and goal situation where they didn't get in, where they didn't get in. Why isn't your six foot seven tight end target that you're very high on? Grant, he might just, he's not as far along as they'd like him to be. But why not? Eat, why not have a six foot seven target be on the yeah. field somewhere? Because if there's a six foot seven, two hundred whatever plus pound, massive human being who can go up and get the ball over everybody on the field, he might not be the one who's going to get the ball. But I guarantee you, they're thinking about him. They have two guys keeping an eye on him, and that's just another yeah. defender you're pulling away from somebody else. Even if he's just a straight decoy, you need he, he's got to be on the field somewhere. Their receivers suck anyway, so why not have two yeah. tight ends out there? Plus, if you have two tight ends out there, you can legitimately sell the idea that you might be running the ball because Shaheen did a lot yeah. of run blocking uh, I, I, on Sunday. So why yeah, not in have terms him of, out there? Like we said, in terms of play call, play design, I, I liked how they handled it at the goal line. I, I love that I love that out route by Bellamy one-on-one. That's that's what you're looking yeah. for in the end zone from the from the far side of the field. You got some, some room to work with there. But I agree. Shaheen being the target that he is, get him out there. Get him in a matchup you like and post him up. You know it's four down territory. You know you're going to have to go after this thing. Take one shot to him. See if he can work a post move on someone and just box somebody out. Use his frame. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. So maybe not the best uh, personnel down there. Uh, Would have liked to seen a couple other things with the Bears. But all in all, Matt, again, I'm going to try and be positive about it. They're going to give me plenty to be negative about this season, so I'm not going to be negative about this week. I think that this week, <laughs> in the grand scheme no, of things, was this week, a step forward and not a step backwards, and that's what I'm looking for from the Bears this season. And, you know, the one thing before I think we move on to the rest of the NFL here, but the one thing that we've said the last couple podcasts is with this Bears defense is how we're looking for, you know, that next, you know, defensive player like to kind of take a step. Be that, big-time Bears, yeah, be that big-time Bears defense, you know, that, that's here forever, and, you know, we, he's, he's a great player, all that. Akeem Hicks started to look he, he like really that, did. didn't he? Signed that big four-year extension Saturday, and, you know, a lot of the times you see those Drop guys off to a take, some, uh, yeah. take it off a little bit. He didn't show any drop-off. He had that one stupid roughing the passer penalty where you can make the argument he was on the field for a while, was a little bit tired, but it, yeah. it's still not an excuse. But other than that, he had three total sacks, tackles, yeah. he had two sacks, one of which one of which he just basically brought Matt Ryan down by grabbing his jersey and yeah. holding on with his hand, which was he's, really he's, impressive he's, strength. But he, he's, he's a, a, he's a stopper. Inside. He's a run stopper. And when you have a run stopper that can rush the pass as well, that that's a really dangerous asset you have on the inside. If it's a guy who can no matter what's coming at him, be effective in stopping the run and pressuring the pass, you're, you're really looking at someone who's going to be productive for a long, long time. Because a lot of times when you have those big kind of stout run stoppers in the middle, your pressure's coming from the outside. If you can create that pressure straight up the middle too in the pass game, you're, you're, cooking, with, you're cooking with gas, I, I really think. 
Yeah, pressure from the outside, your quarterback yeah. can step up in the pocket. Pressure from He's the got inside, nowhere to your go. quarterback's yeah. done. Um, Terrell Freeman's got to be mentioned, too, with those 10, ten tackles. Um, it, Looks like he might be missing yeah, a little time. It, it, not, not, not what you want to see there, but as an undersized linebacker, he, he found himself in the right place, point of contact all day long. And another guy that was kind of – I was putting him in that, hey, it's time to see something box with Kevin White. Obviously, Kevin White has taken himself out of that box and put himself into a different box. But another guy, Kyle Fuller, that I really liked what I saw. He was coming up and meeting guys. It looked like they worked some tackling with him because Kyle Fuller's tackling yeah. the last two seasons was abysmal. He was going down around the ankles. He was allaying guys. And I saw him make a couple open field tackles, and that was encouraging from, from a defensive standpoint again. No, I, I'm with you. I liked what I saw from him a lot, and I think that was it was a positive step going forward against a really good, what was I think the best passing attack mm-hmm. in the NFL last year. I, um, uh, but ho- hopefully, Jarrell Freeman, like you're saying, is okay. Um, I, it, it sounds like he might miss a couple weeks, and then we might might actually get a chance to see what they got in Nick Nick yeah. Bukowski, uh there good. in the middle, who made the one of the bigger good hits Polish I've kid. seen in a long time Real on that punt return. But uh, you know, I, I I liked him a lot. I liked him. I'd like to see him get, a lot. Just get the guys. Unfortunate. It's get the, the guys some reps. Get the guys some reps. Like I said, temper expectation. And I'm looking at it. Anytime you can hold Julio Jones to four receptions, 66 yards, you can chalk that up as a win for the DBs as a whole. Yeah, you know, we we were worried about those defensive backs, but I thought they Other held their own those, pretty well yeah, with the those exception of the, the, the Austin, miscommunication, which Austin I'm not going to put entirely on yeah. Austin Hooper. That 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 eighty eight yard touchdown. I'm not going to put entirely on Demps. I, I do think it was th- the majority of the blame should rely with him because he's not allowed to let anybody get deeper than him. But I, I think the linebackers were supposed to drop a little yeah. bit there and stick and then with them, and I think some they bad cut off their, in the open field. I, on those it, two plays. Yeah, and Demps was doing exactly what you were calling for last week. Basically, if we're dropping back and everybody's accounted for, I yeah, need to go where's to Julio, Julio Jones? Jones because yeah. he's Julio Jones. So that that's what Demps was doing. And, if you if you look at the play. Maybe he committed to it too early, but that that was his idea on third and whatever it is. I'm going to go make sure Julio. And you're Jones going to have to linebackers didn't drop with with the tight end. You're going to have to go do that happens. same thing against Antonio Brown next week, and possibly if you want to treat Mike Evans that way this week. But I don't really think you can because you got Deshaun Deshaun Jackson Sean Jack. on the other side, and um, just having you know that just shows when you have two productive receivers like that, you really you can't shade one way or the other. But yeah, this will be a big time test. Yeah, I think that, it will, and uh, this kind of brings us into a little bit of a tangential topic here, Matt. What was your, you know, what was just your overall takeaway from Week One of NFL football? I was a little underwhelmed. Go on, d- elaborate. I think that there weren't many good games aside from last night's game, and I think it was Pittsburgh Cleveland. Most of the games were separated by more than two scores, two scores or more, and there really wasn't the. Uh, there wasn't the drama in week one that I would have liked to seen, but you know, I was locked in on the bears and uh, with the kickoff game with new England, not showing up, that was kind of a bummer. Um, You had some other games where Houston, it could have been this big emotional moment in Houston and they lay an egg against Jacksonville. We'll get, we'll get, yeah. Like we'll get to that. uh, Not to say that (laughs) you guys should be taking any betting advice from us because our picks were absolutely terrible this week, but I think that there was some terrible football out there. You had, the Rams beat Indianapolis by 30 points, 35 points. Carolina rolled over San Francisco. Yeah, I don't care who's playing quarterback for you. I don't, I don't care who's playing quarterback or who's, who's hurt for you. Losing 46 to the L.A. Rams is just you got unacceptable. Your top four teams, top your, 
<laughs> yeah, your top four teams, let's call them, in the NFC in between Seattle, Green Bay, New York, and Dallas, 17 and 9 and 19 to 3. Those were not very entertaining games. So I was underwhelmed by the product. It is week one, and that's usually the case. But come on, guys, let's step it up here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of couldn't tell who was like, who was playing really well or who was just more taking advantage of another team not playing well. I thought Philadelphia looked really good. I thought Carson Wentz looks, is looking like he might be taking another step forward as trying to become one of those, those top-tier quarterbacks in the NFL, but I have no idea what Washington is. Uh, Matt Stafford looked really good down the stretch there for Detroit, but if Arizona is the same Arizona they were last year, I'm not sure how much yeah. that means. Uh, I, I did think, I know it ended up being a 10-point game, but I thought Oakland and Tennessee was a very entertaining game. Uh, I thought both quarterbacks looked looked pretty solid, and I think that's going to be down the road here once the Patriot once Tom Brady leaves and the Patriots start to maybe go back to not being the elite team and the class of the AFC. I think that Oakland Tennessee rivalry could be a fun one, kind of a. I agree. Um, I think that you know there's going to be a lot to watch, and there there are going to be the storylines, and we just need to let them develop a little bit. That's when the NFL product really is something that we can uh, you know become obsessed with, like we usually do during week eight, week seven, whenever that, that really, you're already, I'm obsessed. already obsessed all right, Matt. Well, before we move on to some college football here, some reaction, I want you to give me, this is a little curveball at you. I want you to give me your one overreaction from week one. Give me just a big time overreaction. Oh man, Joe, I was always a fastball <laughs> hitter in high school. Sit back on this one, Matt. Oh, I'm surprised Chuck Pagano was let back okay. on the plane. <laughs> I like it. Um, I, I, I honestly, I, that, that it just first thing that I thought in my head here, he's been on that hot seat for what it seems like ever mm-hmm. since he's been hired. Uh, Jim Irsay is a little bit of a, he's a wild okay. card. Um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, but they, they got the doors blown off in their opener. I know they didn't have their quarterback, but like I said, 46 to nine is never acceptable. Uh, I wouldn't have been shocked if he got the Lane Kiffin treatment. I just I, I don't see how I was a little bit surprised he he lasted. I thought they might push pull the trigger on. Perfect. Um, I like That's it. My, my overreaction. overreaction is that the Jacksonville I can't even get it out. The Jacksonville Jaguars will contend for the division title. I don't think, don't think so. I mean, it is a terrible. It's a terrible division. No, I think it's it's Lance, terrible. And those guys have to start figuring it out eventually. They've had good drafts. They have good young talent. Maybe they finally have I, I think so, too. I just didn't think that coming into the season, they had zero quarterbacks. And if Bortles can be serviceable and really lean on that run game, because Fournette looked like he slimmed out. That's huge. Know, they have the running, they have the running game to lean on. just as powerful, but he looked a little quicker than he did in, at the college level. And I think that's really rare. Usually you look, a guy looks like he slows down because the game speeds up around him. He looked a little quicker, a little slimmer than he did at LSU. So some great offseason work there for Leonard Fournette. I think Jacksonville is going to really surprise some people. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, you, I know you you love Houston, but at the same time, we if their offense is going to be like that all year and they're not going to be able to move the ball on anybody, I know Deshaun Watson's got a high ceiling, but he's still a rookie. He's probably going to be the guy going forward, I would think, after how brutal Tom yeah, that was bad. looked. Um, but if that's how inept their offense is going to be, I don't care how good the defense plays. They're not going to be able to win that many football games. Tennessee's good, but they're not kind of mm-hmm. elite yet. Um, I, yeah, I don't see why they couldn't make some noise and at least make it interesting. In that I division. agree with you, Matt. All right, we're going to move on here to a little bit of college football, Matt. Obviously, we kick things off with our heartbreakers, our uh, Notre Dame fighting Irish. I, kn- I know you've got some strong ah. stances 
on what occurred this past weekend, I may not be as uh, I might not be on as high of alert as you are. But uh, break it down for us. What did you not like? What did you like from the Irish's uh, one point loss to the Bulldogs? Well, I'm I'm going to be very uh, I'll be very transparent here. I was at a wedding Saturday night. Gotcha. With no TV. A Michigan wedding. Too. So I did. Oh. We actually. Um, a Michigan, there was there was actually a TV at the bar. We asked if they turned on the game. They said they were instructed to not turn the TV on. So um, that was unfortunate. But uh, I, I did not get to see the game. I, I'm just going off what I've read, what I've talked to people about, and what I've heard. And this just sounds like the typical Brian Kelly big game loss. He gets a lead. He holds on to it for a while. And then his play, he, he kind of gets gator arms down the stretch here, gets way too conservative. Other team comes back, and then they lose a heartbreaker in the end, but he can still say, oh, well, we kept it close. You know, it's a really good team, and, you know, we're right there on the doorstep. Well, they've been right there on the doorstep for, like, four years now. It's time to start winning these football games. You know, how many times over the years has Notre Dame played these late, you know, these primetime games at night and come up just yeah. short? It, it seems to always be on the losing end of things when you, when you welcome a Georgia, when you welcome a Florida State, one of these big, big-time and I Florida State, I get it. Like, yes, they they did win that game, but there are also more. I mean, if, there were more chances than just that phantom offensive pass interference to win yeah, the game. So I'm not going to give. Okay, Brian you're Kelly Clemson. That. But they, they, they play all other, these late yeah. close games. I get yeah, what you're Clemson, saying. It, it, it's it's a it's almost like he's got an excuse every time it happens. Just stop making excuses and go win the football game. Eventually, if something fluky keeps happening down the stretch. It's your players are a reflection yes. of their coach, and if their coach isn't keeping it cool down the stretch, if their coach is noticeably nervous down the stretch, if their coach is noticeably conservative down the stretch, changing mindsets, attitude, whatever, players are going to follow suit, whether they intend to or not. That's just life that you follow your leader yeah. for the most. Part. I, I was uh, I was working Saturday evening, but caught uh, the I think I tuned in like halfway through the third quarter and through the end of the game, and uh, it was. As you said, it was a little bit of a downshift from Kelly, a little bit over-conservative, but I think that they played to their potential. There were some mistakes. I'm not convinced that this Notre Dame team is that good. You're a sub-500 team last year. Only so much can change in 300 days. You can only get so much better in 300 days. I don't think the roster got a lot better. You got less experience. Again, like I'm talking about the Bears, expectations for this Notre Dame team, while it is always national championship, college football playoff, you have to look in the mirror and see if those things are realistic for this team. I think that there are 20, 25 more talented football teams, if you're just looking at the roster, than the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And I am a long time, I'm a lifelong Notre Dame fan. I don't think that. I'm a domer. You're a domer. I don't think the team's that good this year. I think they're better than last year. I think they're going to win more football games, which isn't saying much. The bar was set very low. But Georgia's a great football team. Georgia's an SEC football team that's going to come in here and battle you. You're an underdog at home. There's a reason for that. Vegas, they were they're favorites. I thought they were. They're favorites at home. They were four, when when East when it was announced Easton okay. wasn't playing. Uh, they were they were originally underdogs, but then when the with the quarterback, gotcha. Thing, they, uh, they well, switched. nonetheless, if you're if you're not a big favorite at home, or if you're you know playing a big time as you call them a name brand university, a name brand team with history like Georgia, it's gonna be a battle. You know that going into it, you're not gonna blow them out. And Notre Dame, I don't think has 
the tools to get it done against teams like Georgia, against teams like Kemsley. Here's where, here's where, here's where, here's where I'm going to dispute that. Because I know last year was four and eight, but I also know they were a lot more talented than a four and eight football team last year. They just let things snowball, and I also think that was a reflection of their head coach. But here's my problem with with, with Saturday night: is apparently the cops yeah. are coming to get you, Joe. Yeah, is that what we're hearing in the background? That's fine. So one cop coming. Um, <laughs> he's coming for you. Um, you you said they're not as talented as Georgia. Georgia's a better team. All that, whatever. My, my issue with them is they're. The, the inexperienced part of the, the Notre Dame team is their defense. The, the part that everyone said is going to be their problem this year, that's going to lose them games, whatever, they're going to have to score with teams, is their defense. All Notre Dame's defense was due last week was hold one of the best rushing attacks in the country to 184 yards. Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle both were held under 100 yards. I know 100 yards is a lot, but both were held under that and both were relatively yeah. kept in check. The, the part of Notre Dame's offense or team that is supposed to be their biggest strength is their offensive line and their running game. They ran for 55 yeah. yards against Georgia. And I don't care how good That's their front seven is. Notre Dame's offensive line is seen as one of, if not the best in the country. And you can't give me more than 55 yards on 37 carries. You know what else is a problem? Against Temple, and I know it's Temple, they rush for 422 yards. I don't care who they're running against. That's a lot of yards. Um, Dexter Williams, six carries, 124 yards, one, one touchdown. You want to know a stat line from, uh, from the you. Georgia game, Joe? Zero carries, zero yards. Didn't see the field other than special teams. I don't care if he's a bad pass blocker. If Josh Adams is struggling to get things going, you put out your speed guy, your change of pace back, try and light a little fire under somebody. I think that's unacceptable. I think it's awful coaching. Brandon Wimbush threw the ball 40 times. You have the best rushing attack in the country. Why is he carrying the ball 16 times? Why not mix up your running backs? Josh Adams is a great player. They have the best left side of the line in, in all of college football, in my opinion. I think it was a poorly coached game. and I didn't watch it. Just from looking at the stat, the stat line and the personnel used, I think that's terrible. So, Matt, I feel like uh, no, no, no. That was Sorry. that all was very clairvoyant, and I feel like you want to say something right now. No, I'm saying if that young defense is is able to step up, and you know they're the weakness of the team, but they're very well coached. That young defense is able to step up and hold. I don't care who you know what they're ranked. Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs, number 15 in the country to 20 points. I I, I think. That's unacceptable. So that let's, you don't let's, that let's really game. let's get to the. Let's I think get it's to the, unacceptable in a schedule with tough games where you have USC coming in later. You play Stanford later. You have a tough Miami team. You were in a position to win this football game, and just like in the past, just like every time you played a big game, let's like get this, to the crux of it. Then is the Brian is the Brian Kelly? Does it need to be over? Is the Brian Kelly era over? Are you call? Are you? It's in a lot of trouble. It's in a lot of trouble. Brian Kelly's job right now. No, I, I, I'm never gonna. I won't do that. Uh, I, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not. I'm not one to judge who deserves to be fired, who deserves to have a job, whatever. I don't want to be that guy. All I'm saying is this effort is the. There, there's just there seems to be a disturbing trend with Brian Kelly coach teams, and he, he's going to have some more chances to, you know, refute that. He's he's got USC coming in later. Like I said, he's got it. He's got a big game at Stanford. He's going to have chances to reverse that. But if he wants, it. it, it the Notre Dame fan base is a very loud and vocal one. If he wants to remain coaching Notre Dame, he's going to have to start winning those games because four and eight last year wasn't good enough. He wasn't on the hot seat going into last year, but four and eight changes things for everybody. And I just I, I think that he he needs to start changing these things. These big games, these these tight losses aren't good enough anymore. They were when he first got here, and the team wasn't good, and he flipped it. And I don't care how good his recruiting classes are if he can't win big games with those guys. It, it's it's not I good. I agree enough. with you, Matt, and uh, I think that. A lot of what Brian Kelly was selling is uh, 
you know, his ability to maximize player potential, to get the most out of guys, at least when he was coming from Cincinnati. I feel like that was, that was his mm-hmm. selling point. And I don't know if he's doing that anymore. I don't know if he's getting the most out of his guys. And you made a lot of great examples of, I don't know if he's putting his guys in the right positions to have the best production to the best of their ability. So um, a, lot to be, uh, a lot to be figured out in South Bend. Some other storylines throughout the nation Oklahoma takes down what looks like a struggling Ohio State team. My pick to win Boomer, Boomer Sooner. Sooner. Indeed. My pick to win uh, the the college football playoff and the national championship, the Ohio State Buckeyes, look out look like they kind of struggle out of the gate. Both of these first two games uh, doesn't look like Urban Meyer's got his boys firing on all cylinders. Um, some other games uh, around the nation. No, uh, Northwestern falls in just – Dismal fashion, my lock of the week against the Duke Blue Devils at Duke. Just an absolute no-show. Uh, Nebraska falls at Oregon. Uh, an outstanding second-half effort from the Huskers after coming out and falling asleep in the first half. What Finally was the final was, in that uh, game? 42-35. They lost by a touchdown. Um, oh. They had the ball with a uh, minute 40 left, and Tanner Lee got hit as he was throwing uh, interception, his fourth of the day. Only two of them were really on him. Uh, that last one wasn't his fault. Got hit as he threw. Arm got hit. Ball went straight up in the air. First one uh, hit Stanley Morgan Jr. in the face mask and then went into the defensive back's lap. So got to help out T. Lee a little bit more. But uh, it it was a definite turning point for the Huskers' season coming out in that second half, holding Oregon to zero yards after giving up, I believe it was nearly 500. It was like four-something in the first half and 42 points. Um, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in uh, Bob Diaco's defensive room because they came out with their hair on fire, really showed what that 3-4 defense is supposed to do, and went out there and kind of charged at it offensively too. So it was uh, a win within a loss for the Huskers this weekend. Yeah, I, I suppose there's there's no real moral victories for schools like Nebraska mm-hmm. or you know, Notre Dame's or you know, teams like that, but that's about it. It sounds like yeah. as close as you can get to one for them, and hopefully that's a turning point for the uh, got a, Huskers going forward. And they got can a cookie. beat that division. College football got is a better when this weekend. Uh, the Northern Illinois Huskies come to town. Um, Mama and Papa Moose will be in the stands watching the game too. Uh, so, it's, so the Huskers hey. better show out for for. A... Joe, they won't be watching the game. They'll be watching their. their My dad will be watching the, the game. My dad will be yelling at players. My mom will be watching. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh, I think some good right. games coming this week as well. ND's got BC, uh, Miami, Florida State. Always uh, uh, looks like that one's going to be postponed. It actually has been postponed. I'm looking. I at think it it's right postponed. Now. Has so it already a, been? That's a bummer because that's, that's always bad. a great one to watch. Um, you got uh, this is kind of the downturn where where you don't get as many uh, top 25 matchups as you like to see. Maybe Florida, Tennessee, no. always fun. We got that Saturday afternoon. Uh, that should be a good one. But. Uh, Clemson and uh, Clemson. Clemson Louisville will be a good one. Clemson looks like this will be another test for them to really prove that that defensive front are are professionals because man, they looked really good last week and they they'll continue to look great. I think that Clemson is is another team that kind of as we talked in the preseason as 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 everyone talked kind of fell out of the conversation of that college football playoff for, yeah. for one reason or another graduation attrition whatever it may be. They look like they're pissed off. They look like they deserve to be one of those teams. They're playing yeah, with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, that's scary. What Dabo's got his boys firing out. All right, Matt. Well, uh, I, I feel like Dabo. we uh, we kind of squeezed the football uh, sponge for all it was worth there. So let's pivot here a little bit and uh, talk a little baseball because I know sometimes in September baseball gets pushed to the wayside, 
and uh, we're gonna we're gonna play panic meter here. If you, you know, speaking of the panic meter, Joe, you know that that cop uh -huh. car that drove by your your place a little bit. I don't think that was a cop car. I think that, that was, was a panic, panic sign. Siren Is that what that was? Set off by Cubs fans. I think I think that was the uh, panic well, siren because that's what it seems like's going on, and at least uh, here. I know you're out in Lincoln, but it, it seems like here in Chicago, Cubs fans are getting a little bit. Uh, a little bit restless after that sweep. There are the, uh, there are Cubs fans everywhere, Matt. You can feel that same restlessness here. Um, losers of the last three, as you said, to the Brewers. Just uh, not what you're looking for. And things starting to get a little congested. Becomes a three-team race again between Milwaukee, St. Louis, and, and the Cubbies. And um, where do you think the panic meter is at? Being closer to the to the source than I am. Man, it's it's up there. Um, you, you got You got really two sets of Cubs fans. And I think there are the there's the minority that is well we won the World Series last year and that's the first time you know obviously in however long so I'm okay with whatever happens this year and but I think the louder and and bigger majority of people is the group of Cubs fans that is just always <laughs> going to be panicked no matter how everything whether how good or yep. bad things are going but there there there's there's quite a bit of panic it seems like here I think you got your your minority of reasonable Cubs fans, but there's a lot of panic after that sweep on Sunday. And I don't even think Milwaukee's the biggest threat. Milwaukee's played well against the Cubs, but I mean they go out and lay an egg and lose seven to nothing at home to Pittsburgh yeah. yesterday. I think St. Louis is the team you gotta worry about. Uh, I think I said that when we started the uh our MLB second mm -hmm. half preview. I said to look out for them, but but they're playing as well as anybody right now and I think there's still seven games left on the schedule yeah. with the Cubs. A lot, so a lot to be in my opinion, there. that's the team you I think you about. make a good point there, Matt. And uh, what really stuck out to me this weekend, I didn't catch any of the action. I saw the highlights and uh, looking at the box scores. You can't score three runs in a weekend set against the Brewers and expect nope. to win ball games. This offense has all season kind of been stop and go. So hopefully, but hey, at least yeah, but hopefully they can find that <laughs> go gear again because when they go, they yeah. go. That's that's there's no there's no doubting that on paper. And I know the games aren't played on paper, but this is still a big bat lineup. Those big bats just need to come to play. Yeah, and it's they just it's incredible how streaky they've become because they'll go on, like you said, these week long tears where they're putting up ten runs a game. But then they, you didn't see these lulls last year, and they they have they're having a lot more lulls than than we've come to expect from them. Where they're going, you know, they're, they're scoring three runs in a weekend series. They're going a week without putting up you know four or more runs in a game, and that's. That's an issue when they're in a pennant race. They weren't really in much of a pennant race, you know, just a week ago when they had that five-game lead and everything was going right. But it's amazing how one bad weekend series really can uh, can change the perspective on everything because there wasn't a team within five games. But now they got two, two within two and a half, and eleven of the last nineteen games come against those two ball clubs. They still have seven with the Cardinals and a four-game set with the Brewers. So uh, a lot of jostling to be had atop the uh, NL Central. Uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Like you said, yeah. 11 and 19 yeah. with these two teams. That's going to so, at least going to make for some much must watch. So must I think watch uh, you know you get this three game set out of the way with uh, with the Mets and postseason starts on Friday, September 15th. If you're looking at the end of the schedule, you really got to be in go mode, in postseason mode. All right, Matt. I'm with you. Well, uh, with you. Uh, some other MLB storylines on the docket. Uh, I'll save the White Sox name here, but I'm going to say it. They were in the just wake of destruction that the Indians have left over the last two weeks. Uh, they get swept by the Indians. And uh, just, just how impressive, again, I know we've talked about it in the past, uh, 
how these big milestones and these great things kind of aren't as highlighted as they used to be, but how impressive is it what we've seen the Cleveland Indians do over the last two weeks, three weeks? I mean, they made a movie about it the last time a team won 20 games in a row. <laughs> 19 baseball, 19 wins in a row in baseball is, to me, is just, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing because so many fluky things can yeah. happen in baseball games. You're so playing many, every day. You know, Below somewhere, so many below average pitchers can you know pitch out of their ass one night and be unhittable, even though they usually suck. It's it, it, the the fact that they've been able to overcome you know the flukiness of baseball and it really there haven't been even that many games in doubt. Uh, they're if it, it's a team like Boston or New York, it's you know easily the top story in you know on, on ESPN and all the sports channels all the time. But it's almost like. The 19-game win streak seems to be getting stuck a little yeah. bit under the radar. I mean, it is football season. It's like the, the Pujol 600. Or all, I know, but 19 that's games in a pennant yeah, race, that's, that's pretty be something good. Because they're going for 20. I believe the record, the AL record, is 20 set by set by those I think A's. The A's and I believe 20, that was yeah. that 02, the Moneyball year? I want to say it was 02. I think you're right. Um, but Cleveland now 13 and a half games clear of the second-place Minnesota Twins. So the AL Central has become somewhat of a circus uh, in terms of competition. Should be interesting to see if the Indians, you know, are hitting their stride at the right time, make it back to where they were, and uh, try and right what was wronged in a rain delay uh, last year. I think a lot was working against them. History, mojo, whatever you want to call it. I think, um, you know, they are still one of the best teams in baseball, and they're showing it in this streak. Now, I do think, uh, now the, while the White Sox were in that path of destruction with that four-game sweep at the, at the cell or the race, uh-huh. whatever we're calling it now, you're not, you're not in the city right now, so you, you don't, this is easily a story that can get swept under the radar, but Jose Abreu is quietly having yet another MVP-type season. Hit for the cycle. And I, I, I want to give him a little bit of credit. Hit for the cycle on Saturday night, comes out, hits two homers on Sunday night, and then yesterday he was oh just a home run away from the cycle going four for five in Kansas City in an eleven to three win. So it, it, it's cool to see these young White Sox who know that they they're not very good right now, just not really care about who they're playing or baseball, whatever. They're just coming out and playing, hitting the yeah. ball, and having some fun. Yohan Moncada had his first three hit game of his career last night. But hats off to Jose Abreu, who's a veteran who really has nothing to play for other than wanting to play baseball, and he's just absolutely killing the ball quietly, showing why. He might be the best hitter in the yeah. city of Chicago, and I'm not. That's not a knock on. No, Chris not Bryan at all. That's, he's earned. When, he's, when, when he's, Jose Abreu's when Jose Abreu's hitting the ball as well as he can, I, I'm not sure. No, there's he, anyone he's earned that place in that conversation for what he's done these last few seasons. As you said, on a sub 500 is not even the right way to put it. On a awful baseball awful. team, on one of the Just worst awful. baseball teams in the league, still being able to produce at that rate, I. I I always try and draw the parallels in the rebuild to what the Cubs did. And Jose Abreu is kind of your Anthony Rizzo in a little bit early on things, maybe even maybe even a year or two yeah. earlier than Rizzo was in terms of the rebuild. Sticking it out, still producing, still producing, and maybe when those pieces do fall in place around him, he can be that Rizzo guy in the clubhouse for that mm-hmm. lineup. Yeah. I mean, he's quietly having, you know, he's got 31 and mm-hmm. 92 right now. Hitting 306, he's going to finish likely over 300 with probably 35 and easily over 100 RBIs, which is just he. It seems like he's automatic to do that just yeah. about every well, year speak, of his career. Matt, speaking but, of uh, no, I was just going to go say ahead. speaking of hitters and streaks and things falling under the radar, Giancarlo Stanton still 
has 61 in his sights. On pace to hit 61, I forecasted 62 when he got on this crazy streak, and he still continues to pummel the ball at just ungodly rates. Another story. Where, where is he? Where is he at now? What's his, uh, what's his number? If I'm not mistaken. Okay, he, he's still slowed down a little bit yeah. in, in the last week. I mean, but he's, he was hitting two a night there a couple weeks ago. So uh, let me. Yeah. I'm gonna take a look at him. What's up? How is? But again, I know football's back. Another like, how is this that, like, not another story? That's yeah. you know at the top of like this. Baseball should be selling. Baseball's complaining about nobody wants to come out and see him, and they're not in the news and all that stuff, and they don't have superstars, whatever. You got a guy who's going to hit 60. Who's got a chance at 60 home runs? Yeah. Why aren't you selling 54 home runs? And he's essentially got a hit. I mean, if he hits a home run every other game, he'll get to 64. So every third, yeah, every he's third game will get him around 60. So, well, fingers crossed. I know now I'll be keeping an eye out on Marlins baseball at least going forward because I, I hope to see yeah, that. That'd those be were really exciting cool moments back in '98, and I love to see something like that. And I know I, I Bonds did it after that, but '98 always still strikes a chord with me. Um, I think that uh, well, I, wa- I want to see some guys. I want to see a game get stopped and a crowd applaud a baseball player. That's those. Those are the types of moments in baseball that I always appreciated. I'm with you, but uh, we're. I think we're getting a little bit heavy here, Joe. I think if we want to keep don't our call me heavy streak here going. I know we want. I, I'll hit the, the grievance. Go ahead, hit uh, the grievance button. Okay. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now. You're gonna hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, cause I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, Matt, we are getting a little uh, little heavy here, and I'm gonna make this a quick one. It was a quick one to start with. My grievance is with the Monday Night Football late game last night. It was unnecessary. I was watching football at 12.15 in the morning, and uh, you know, you enjoy that. That's good. But the product was awful. Rex Ryan needs needs work. He Rex Ryan good. needs work. Sergio Dip became some sort of internet sensation in 10 minutes. And as a aspiring broadcaster, that was that was that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing to watch. <laughs> I don't even feel for the guy. He should never have been in that situation. I understand that he's a pretty successful ESPN Deportes uh, reporter, the sideline reporter. Good for you. Don't put him in that situation to be a laughing stock because that was embarrassing. I know I could stand in front of a camera and give a better live hit than that. That was, that was something out of boom goes the dynamite. It was absolutely terrible. It, it wasn't was, that Matt, bad. It was Matt, bad. It Matt, wasn't it was boom goes, goes the dynamite. It was boom bad. goes the dynamite. Bad. The only reason you don't think it was boom goes the the only reason I'm going on. The only reason you don't think it was boom goes the dynamite bad is because you didn't get to see this poor kid's face while he was making an embarrassment of himself. They cut it. They cut it. No, oh, they showed him. They cut away from him and went back to the play. It was absolutely atrocious. Just the live hit. The entire production on. last night was terrible. I think ESPN, after firing the people, the names, the personalities that they fired three months ago, should be ashamed of themselves. The product that they put out last night on a Monday night football game. You want people to watch your games. You want people to stay in tune with what you're doing. You want people to be interested in your personalities. That's not the way to go about it. I understand Rex Ryan's a big name, and you want him to maybe move in place. But there's your Rex Ryan's, and then there's your Tony Romo's. There's being ready, and there's being a name. Rex Ryan's a name. All he did was talk about the defensive line and make stupid puns. It was a terrible product last night, and I think ESPN should be ashamed of what they put forth as a product 
for Monday Night Football. Yeah, I, I, I do. I'm with you. Now, I'm not going to complain that there was football on last night because if there's football on, I'm going to watch it and be happy about it. But I'm actually pretty happy. I watched most of that from work, so I didn't have to listen to a lot of the audio, which I, I, from what I've heard is, from what I heard from Rex Ryan, I think in the fourth quarter, I'm pretty happy I didn't. He, uh, he seems more fit to be yeah. a studio analyst, yeah. if you ask me. Because he, he, did, he did a post-game interview on, uh, on, on SVP's Sports Center and was back to being, you know, charming, clever, funny Rex. It's just his shtick, his act, whatever it is, doesn't yeah. really fit in as a color it, guy. It really did not. He made a comment that got a laugh out of me, though. He said, sometimes you're the, what was it? Sometimes you're the dog, sometimes you're the fire hydrant. That was a good one. That, that one made me it. laugh. Matt, let's jump into some buy yeah. or sell. All I right, will, you want to start us off? Uh, buy or sell Dustin Johnson. we got to get some golf in here. Buy or sell Dustin Johnson wins the FedEx Cup championship. Tournament goes to Chicago, Chicago suburbs this weekend, BMW championship. Uh, another opportunity for DJ to move up the board. If one of those top two guys, Spieth or Thomas, wins, you know, they distance themselves a little bit. But a Dustin Johnson win, I think, would put him at number one and then going into the final tournament in Atlanta. Buy or sell, Dustin Johnson wins ends up winning the $11 million FedEx Cup championship. Uh, man, I'm going to sell. I wanted to buy, I did, but it just it seems like the year of mm-hmm. Justin Thomas. It just everything seems to be kind of going his way and I think he he figures out a way to win one of these last two and kind of cement himself up there up top. So I, I think Justin Thomas gets it. I think it'll be entertaining with those top 3 with uh DJ Justin and Jordan. Uh, I think it'll be fun to watch, but I'm going to go. I'm saying Dustin wins back-to-back weeks, snatches player of the year right out from under Justin Thomas and wins the FedEx Cup championship. Joe, I hope you're right because that'd be a lot of fun to see because there's no one one more fun to watch when they're playing well than Dustin Johnson. So for for that sake, it'll be a blast to watch, Matt. Hit me. All right, I got to (sighs) scroll up here and find my buy or sell. Okay, here we go. Sunday Night Football, Cole Beasley. Buy or sell made the catch of the year already. Couldn't sell it harder. It wasn't even the catch of the weekend. It was, it oh, was a cool please. catch, but he pinned it against his back. It wasn't like that's a guess with a good hand. It wasn't like a extremely high level of difficulty catch. It was just something you don't see that often. Antonio Brown made a catch in between three defenders this weekend. He high pointed the ball, and it was one of the more amazing catches I've seen in a long time. Mind you, he made it with two hands, so. No one's that enthralled with it anymore because one-hand catches are in vogue. But it was, I can but it catch was the ball difficulty level 10 times harder catch than what Cole Beasley did. I think that the athletes that we have on the outside playing the wide receiver position, we're going to see some great things this season. I couldn't sell that any harder. Speaking of that game, really quickly, how about how awful Brandon Marshall He was, was. awful, but he wasn't targeted. He, was, he, he didn't get the ball, and I think – He's definitely he's not getting, Joe yeah. in an offense with 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 Beckham out. I mean, just because he wasn't targeted doesn't mean yeah. one getting looked he's, at. Uh, that 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 to me speaks like Brandon Marshall. He's always really someone care. who's put a lot of time and effort into his craft and making sure that his body is ready. And I don't know if he's gotten to that break point where uh, you know his body is. It's what thirty five. So maybe he's quitting maybe he's out a little there. bit. But I think once you get Odell back on that field, everybody. Uh, Everybody gets a little bit more of an open look, so we shall see as the season moves on. Let's move Matt, on. Matt, uh, buy or sell, and uh, I'm forgetting. My- did you give me this one already? I don't remember if you tell if you told um, me what you were oh, doing. Oh, I did. We we spoke about it. Buy or sell, Matt. Oh, that's why I don't remember. <laughs> Baker Mayfield's 
taking uh, of the O at Ohio State at the shoe. Well, for I'm going to turn this into a okay. two-part question because I love I love the taking That's good of the stuff. O after Ohio State kind of did what I, I don't remember exactly what they did last year, but they did something similar when they when they routed Oklahoma and Norman. Yeah, I love it. I love the granted don't don't plant a flag <laughs> in the field because it doesn't it doesn't maybe. I don't know what to Suction do there. Suction cup um, of some it, sort. Again, it, it's not going to stick. It's not going to stick. Maybe get like a flag, like a like something you can plant the flag in. Yeah, like one of those flat bottoms. You just have to be really very hard. accurate so with your yeah. like swinging of it. Yeah, but no, I love it. Kid came out, played the game of his life. Ohio State kind of laid an egg in front of him. Baker Mayfield, you know, planted himself squarely in the Heisman yeah, discussion. That was his Heisman that moment. Was, I feel like he's had a lot of coming yeah. out parties in, in the last couple of years, but this one more so than any other was probably it. Um, and I think he's probably the favorite now. And he's got that Johnny. He's got that Johnny football electricity to him, just in the way he carries himself. Yeah, he does. The one thing I am going to sell, though, is the clear <laughs> apology that was forced on him by either Lincoln Riley or their AD or whoever the hell told him he had to go apologize. Don't yeah. apologize for that. It's college sports. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be filled with passion. He was but, pumped up. He didn't like do anything. Said, like we, it wasn't. Let, Bad. It wasn't disrespectful. That disrespectful. we can't uh, we can't put that on Baker though. You know, if he had it his way, he'd go do it again. Yeah. No. He he and he would have bragged about it in the press <laughs> conference. He was told by somebody, "You yeah. need to go apologize." But uh, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I'm buying every second and of it. I, I love Baker. Definitely Mayfield. an entertaining performance from start to finish and beyond by Baker Mayfield. Yeah, much better performance from him there than when he tried running from the cops. <laughs> hey, leave the it. Cops. Leave it. <laughs> Sorry, I did. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. That's it. All right, Joe, buy or sell. We had the worst lock of the week segment in the history. Of I'm going to have to buy that. I'm going to have to buy that wholeheartedly. Your lock of your lock Just to of remind week everybody was the Houston hey, Texans, uh, five, given five to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Five, and yeah. mine was the Northwestern Wildcats, I believe, giving. Given three, three was it? I think it was three and a half. I got it at something it was like three, that. Three, three and a half. What doesn't to matter? The Duke Blue Devils, and we both got routed. So with that, yeah, it wasn't even close. We didn't. With even that being threaten. said, Matt, I'm gonna buy that it was the worst. But if first you don't succeed, you try try again. We're gonna pick ourselves up. We got nowhere to pick go. Ourselves up by our bootstraps, real quick, Matt. Give people your lock of the week. Uh, I know I ripped them earlier for their performance in big games. But their performance in small games is usually strong, so I'm going to take Notre Dame minus 13 and a half at Boston College because that seems like a typical get, Brian get right Kelly pulls the doors off I, the team. I like that pick. Yep. I try and steer clear of Notre Dame for uh, for heartstring purposes. Obviously, but yeah. uh, I have it on good confidence from my friends in the desert. Mitch at the MGM Grand gave me USC 14 and a half over Texas. I really like that one. Um, if it gets down to 14, uh, I, I really love that one. And uh, Clemson, also one to keep an eye on. Always hard to bet a, against a Heisman, a reigning Heisman Award winner and someone who looks like that they're going to stay in that conversation this year against Louisville. But Clemson only laying three at Louisville. I think that's another one to look at. But I'm going to go USC laying 14.5 against Texas. I think this USC team is the real deal. Uh, no, Joe, this is the first time since that. This is the first time they've played since that 06 game. Huh? You don't think the spirit of Vince Young's lurking think, around somewhere? I think Vince Young somewhere, maybe I think just, just hanging Vince around. Vince Young is lurking around somewhere. He feels like he feels you don't like think a lurk. Matthew McConaughey is going to show up on the sidelines, giving the hookem. McConaughey is going to be there, but uh, he's stuck as True Detective McConaughey. So completely different person. I'm not worried about it. You, know, uh, you got you to really dig into it there. Break that down, Matt. 
All right, Matter. <laughs> well, uh, I think we've hit it all here. You got anything for the folks? Uh, you want to shut us down? I can shut us down, yeah. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Um, so I, I'm going to be quick here. I know I've been I've talked a lot about Notre Dame in this podcast, and it's going to be somewhat related, but uh, Jalen yeah. Smith, the, the great Notre Dame linebacker, and I don't use that word lightly, he was a great Notre Dame linebacker, probably one of the best to ever go through there, uh, suffered that gruesome, nerve-damaging knee injury in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. Uh, Cowboys took a chance on him in the second round of the draft last year. Otherwise, he would have been a top probably five pick without, well, without that injury. Um, but he made his, his NFL debut uh, Sunday night, starting in the middle for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I think it was a great pick by them. He looked like he hadn't missed a step since college. Looked like he really killed it in his rehab and all that. He looks fully ready to play football again. And it was nice to see, you know, uh, by all accounts, a very good kid who did everything really the right way and played the fo- game of football the right way get rewarded for that after suffering such an, an awful injury. Finished, I think, seven tackles in, in the middle for the Cowboys, part of a dynamic defensive effort holding the Giants to just three points. So I just, I, it was cool for me as a Notre Dame fan, really for, I think, for football fans to see a, a little bit of a redemption story like that for Jalen Smith finally getting a, a, a chance to step back on the football and the uh, football field. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was an awesome moment uh, before the game, you know, just knowing that he was back on the field doing what he loves. And after... They question your ability to walk right again or run ever again to yeah. get back to that point, to get back to that level of play. Good on him. Good on the Cowboys for giving him a chance and sticking with him. And I think he's a guy that we're going to see play football for a long, long time in the NFL because he is a rare talent, as you said, Matt. I think he's going to be, be square in the, uh, the heart of that Cowboys defense for probably 10 Should so be years. a blast to watch. Well, that's going to do it for the Moose and Rooms podcast this episode 20 of the Moose and Rooms podcast. It's been a blast doing them with you, Matter. This one, just like the rest, it's football season. And as you know, we're going to talk some football. Thank you for listening to the Moose and Rude podcast. Send us your questions. Like us on Facebook. We're not on Facebook. Like us on Twitter. Subscribe there to us. There you go. So why don't you rate, rate us, subscribe us. We can't check our stats on iTunes, so really the only, we only know how we're doing on iTunes from you guys giving us you know five-star ratings for you guys write reviews. So please uh, do that. Give us some feedback. We're always open to all that kind of stuff. We want to uh, put on the best And most of all, guys. keep on listening. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. That's the Moose Moose Podcast. We'll talk to you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome.